Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, I'd like to invite you to stick around. It'll be a few minutes of motivation, some inspiration, some education, and we always do it without any type of manipulation, which means we're not running a con game here. We're not trying to solicit money. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're not trying to ask you to join up, fess it up, give it up. We would just like to ask you to listen up. Listen to me as I try to verify and identify the plan of God for your life, and if I can do that, then I pray you will orient and adjust to that plan. But my job is to get the facts to you. That's why we have the FLOT line, F-L-O-T. That stands for the forward line of troops. We're using a military analogy. What I'm trying to tell you is there are wonderful problem-solving devices found in the Bible. If you learn them and use them, they act like a main line of resistance in your soul, and they will stop the outside sources of adversity before they ever become the inside source of stress. That's why we've always said that adversity is, of course, inevitable, but stress is always optional because adversity is what circumstances do to you and stress is what you do to yourself. So by learning God's Word and applying God's Word, 10 unique problem-solving devices, then you can have this amazing life that we call the Christian life. No more worry, no more fear, no more bitterness, no more anger, no more hostility. A wonderful way to live. And it all starts with what's in your mind. So let me remind you of something before we get into what I want to cover with you today. This radio show is number 805. That's 805 Sundays that we broadcast this radio show. Now we broadcast in 67 cities around the world, including Puerto Rico, Alaska, Hawaii. And it's such an honor to be able to do this. We also have a podcasting venue where we podcast our radio shows. And you can check them out on uh, Apple iPod or Spotify. If you'll just go in there and type in the Flot Line, the Flot, F-L-O-T Line, you'll find our podcasting venue there. We have many books that we've written, and you can see these on our website, rickhughesministries.org, rickhughesministries.org. And everything is free. We don't charge for books. We don't charge for printed material, and we can offer you any of these radio show transcripts. We can give those to you as well if you'd like to have the transcript. So remember that. That's what we're all about, giving you accurate information, teaching you God's 10 unique problem-solving devices, beginning with rebound, how you solve the problem of sin, and then the filling of the Holy Spirit, how you solve the problem of your genetically formed sin nature, and dealing with the faith rest drill, problem-solving device number three, how you handle adversity by using faith. And number four is grace orientation, living grace, dying grace, surpassing grace, saving grace. Number five is biblical orientation, or what I call doctrinal orientation, and that's thinking divine viewpoint as opposed to human viewpoint. And then there's that personal sense of destiny, that's a problem-solving device number six, Number seven, number seven is your personal love for God. Number eight is your impersonal love for all of God's mankind. Number nine is sharing the happiness of God. And number 10 is your occupation with Christ. Now, I could spend a week on each one of those subjects. I don't have time to do it now, but 
I have done it and can do it, and we've written a book about Christian problem solving. If you'd like to have the book, just contact us through the website, recuseministries.org. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's very dear to me. It's called neutralizing in the angelic conflict. And here's what I'd like to say. Have you been neutralized in the angelic conflict? Have you been neutralized in the angelic conflict? Have you been made non-effective? The fact that Satan has an organization of fallen angels, we know that for a fact, and that means he's prepared to attack the human race. You and I are humans, and we're in part of that. So his organization is described for us in the Bible in Ephesians 6.12. Listen as I read it to you. Because our warfare, that's what we're involved in, spiritual warfare, that's why I said, have you been neutralized? Our warfare is not against blood and flesh, but it is against rulers, and that's the demon general officers, the three-star and two-star general officers. So against rulers and against authorities, that's the demon officer corps. Those are the lieutenants and the captains and the colonels. Against world rulers of this darkness, that's the demon ambassadors, and against spirit forces of evil in the heavenlies, that's the rank-and-file demons. So again, our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against world rulers of this darkness, against spirit forces of evil in the heavenlies. There were four categories of demons there that we're talking about in this passage. And uh, Satan has an organized army, that's for sure. And during the church age, which is what we're living in right now, we're in the church, demon attack on believers are limited to what we call strictly demon influence. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot be demon-possessed. I'll say that again. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot be demon-possessed. You may be demon-influenced, but not demon-possessed because the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But demon-influence, yes. Many Christians have come under the influence of doctrine of demons. And the demon influence in which the doctrine of demon invades the thinking of the soul is taught in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, where Paul wrote to Timothy, the Spirit explicitly teaches that in the latter periods of time, some believers will withdraw from doctrine and they will concentrate on deceitful spirits and the doctrines from demons by means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Demons have doctrines, and they have their own doctrine. You know, God's doctrine is always grace, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The doctrine of demons says, not by grace you're saved, but you're saved by giving up bubblegum. You're saved by giving up RC colas. You're saved by giving up snuff, saved by giving up cigars, saved by giving up whiskey and rum. No. So you're not saved by giving up anything. You're saved by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if a person doesn't understand that, and if a person teaches that you're saved by something you produce, then remember the Bible says there are none that are good, no, not even one, because all of our righteousnesses are like a filthy rag in God's eyes. So we're told to be careful not to fall under the influence of demons and their doctrines of demons. And this is when this happens, you get neutralized in the angelic conflict. Demon influence is what we will call simply, listen carefully, brainwashing. 
brainwashing. Demon influence wipes out all of the doctrine you've ever learned, and it will destroy your biblical norms and your biblical standards. And this uh, cosmic type thinking of demon influence includes the doctrine of demons and the involvement in the cosmic system. We're warned in the Bible in 2 Corinthians 2.11, don't let any advantage be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his strategies. Quote, the implication is that Satan can easily take advantage of us unless we understand something about his strategy, unless we understand why we're here. And his strategy, I'll tell you again, is to brainwash you with human viewpoint. Therefore, Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on the full armor from God for the purpose that you can stand against the devil. Stand, hold your ground against the strategies of the devil. The strategies of the devil are his method of attacking you. He has a dossier on you. He knows what you're like. He knows what your weaknesses are. And uh, he can attack those areas and induce you to sin in those areas. Remember, Sin comes in three areas, something you say, something you do, or something that you think. So Satan's objective by getting you to fall into sin is to neutralize you in this stage of the angelic conflict. The way he does that is by getting you to operate under human viewpoint thinking. Thus, if you operate under human viewpoint thinking, you will be ineffective in representing Jesus Christ. Now, you're going to say, what is human viewpoint thinking? Here it is. Listen. It's human speculation that excludes biblical viewpoints, and it results in arrogant systems of subjectivity, such as humanism, socialism, communism. These are all human viewpoint wanting to produce utopia for man. But the danger of human viewpoint is living by the dictates of your emotion. You see... Human emotions must be under the authority of what you think, and that's your thoughts. Are your thoughts biblical rationales, or are they human subjectivity that leads to compromise and some sort of inordinate competition? So again, these emotions that you and I possess must be under the authority of our thoughts. Our thoughts guard our emotions and keep us from getting emotional. There's nothing wrong with good emotions. I'm just talking about when you let emotions control your life. So once you begin to let your emotions control your thoughts rather than your thoughts controlling your emotions, that's when you begin to produce human good or acts that are designed to appeal to God and appeal to humanity and you think God is really happy with you because you went down and marched at the corner and you took a stand on this or you took a stand on that. If you don't understand the spiritual life, everything you wind up doing is the right thing in the wrong way. You know, unbelievers, people that aren't even saved, can produce all sorts of human good, and they see that in the Bible in Revelation chapter 20 when the books of works are opened and they get a chance to try to vindicate themselves before they're thrown into the lake of fire, and they can't do it. All of their righteousness is like a filthy rag. So unbelievers can produce human good, just like you. But an unbeliever cannot produce the one thing you can produce and you should produce, and that's divine good. Divine good is manufactured under the filling of the Holy Spirit. And it is the divine good that glorifies God to the maximum, and it is the divine good that's rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 3, 
11 through 15. It's called gold, silver, and precious stones. The human good is called wood, hay, and stubble. And I've said it many times on this radio show, as a Christian, if you do good deeds and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, then what you wind up doing is the right thing in the wrong way. So if you go to church, if you tithe, if you sing in the choir, if you attend Sunday school, but you have unconfessed sin in your life, sin you haven't dealt with, then you're doing a right thing but in the wrong way and you're doing it in the energy of the flesh. Anything done in the energy of the flesh is human good. So if you put some money in the offering plate and you have known sin in your life, that's energy of the flesh and it's human good. It will not be rewarded. It does not glorify God. Keep that in mind. The question you have to answer today is what are your priorities in your life? What are your priorities in your life? I would like to point your attention to the book of Daniel and notice the priorities in Daniel's life, the prophet who was captured as a young man and taken to Babylon along with four of his best buddies, captured by King Nebuchadnezzar. And in the book of Daniel in the first chapter, if you read it, you will see where Nebuchadnezzar tried to brainwash these youths. And he did it a couple of ways. First of all, he gave them all new names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar and his buddies Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah got new names as well. You may recognize their names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were the new names of Daniel's buddies, and Daniel's new name was Belshazzar. And the king also tried to get them to change their diet so that he could introduce heathen culture to them, but listen to what Daniel did. It's very interesting. Daniel 1, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's food, nor with the wine which he drank. Did you hear what I read? He purposed in his heart. This is Daniel's divine viewpoint controlling his emotion. The king was trying to brainwash him, trying to get him to ignore all of the divine viewpoint he had in the past. Now, let's talk about purposed in his heart. You have a heart, and I have a heart, and we have a mind. Both of these are upstairs. I'm not talking about the organ that pumps blood throughout your body. I'm talking about the heart between your, between your ears. The heart and the mind the Bible talks about is between your ears. And your mind is where you assimilate the information of the Word of God, but your heart is where you apply the Word of God to your circumstances. The Greeks recognized this in the New Testament, and they acknowledged it, and they used two words uh, for knowledge. If we want to use the first word, it's called gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, and it's always translated knowledge in the Bible. But there's another word translated in the Bible, knowledge, and unless your pastor has some Greek background, he won't know this one either. It's epinosis, epinosis. E-P-I-G-N-O-S-I-S. Gnosis is knowledge, but epi is a preposition meaning full. So there's a difference between knowledge and full knowledge. Well, what's the difference? Well, going to church and hearing your pastor speak gives you the opportunity to learn God's word. 
But then on top of that, you must apply what you learn. So you have to convert that gnosis that you picked up in church to epinosis, where it becomes what the Bible calls wisdom. And when you have wisdom, that enables you to have insight and discernment into what the AKA, the devil, is trying to do, trying to neutralize you in the angelic conflict. You cannot afford to be dumb and stupid as a Christian and get neutralized in the angelic conflict. The Bible tells you, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. The Bible tells you, grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those are both mandates. There's a reason for that, so you're not neutralized, so that you can continue to be a representative witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. So unless you purpose in your heart, purpose in your very own heart, to make learning and applying God's word in your life every day, then you are never going to fulfill your potential as a divinely appointed influencer who presents Christ to the lost world. You think God's going to put you out there and use you if you don't know what you're talking about? The worst thing in the world you could do is misrepresent God. And this is exactly what got Moses in trouble, and this is exactly why Moses did not get to go into the promised land. He misrepresented God at the second incidence of Meribah, where God said, speak to the rock, and I'll give water, but he instead struck the rock. Water came out, but God called him to the side and said, you misrepresented me, and you are not going to go into the promised land. Now, it wasn't, I'm sure Moses wasn't happy about that after 120 years, but he did not go into the promised land. So you cannot afford to misrepresent God. You have to understand the facts. You have to understand your God's plan if you're going to represent him to a lost world. And that means you can't teach the Bible in terms of human viewpoint. Human viewpoint ignores grace salvation. Human viewpoint will tell you that you're spiritual because you don't chew tobacco, or you're spiritual because you don't drink, or you're spiritual because you don't use swear words. That's not spirituality. Spirituality is you being filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are spiritual. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're carnal. The Bible makes it plain and clear in evidence when it says, walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. In Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. And if you're not, you're carnal, you're fleshly, meaning you're controlled by your sin nature. So at any one time in your life, you're either going to be controlled by your sin nature or you're going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. If you're going to be a spiritual influencer, a divinely appointed influencer, two things must happen. You must stay filled with the Holy Spirit to the best of your ability 24-7, and you must know what you're talking about. You must understand God's plan. If you don't understand God's plan, how can you lead anybody? In other words, if, if you meet somebody that wants to be saved and you say, okay, brother, let me tell you how to be saved. Give this up, give that up. Let me take you down here and dunk you in the water and I'll get you saved that way. No, the Bible simply says, whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For by grace are you saved through faith. Every man must make that decision for himself. Am I going to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? 
Jesus himself said it, this is the will of the one who sent me, that you believe in me whom he has sent. He also said, "Believing you believe in God, now believe also in me. Believing in God won't save you. A lot of people believe in God, but they don't believe that Jesus Christ is the anointed Son of God. And it is only through Jesus Christ we can come to God. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but by me. So this is important that you understand this technicality. You understand how to correctly represent God. So unless you purpose in your heart, as Daniel did, to make learning and applying God's word every day, then you're never going to fulfill your potential as a divinely appointed influencer whose job it is to present Christ to the lost world. This is why Satan is always seeking to brainwash you. This is why he's always has his human viewpoint system, and that's the mantra for the cosmic system. Human viewpoint thinking is the mantra for the cosmic system. That cosmic system is out there spinning around. It's the devil's world. It's the devil's way. It's the devil's viewpoint. And uh, we'll talk about it here in just a minute. So, so what do you? Let, let me ask you this question: What you think today is what you learned yesterday. Did you know that? What you're thinking today is what you learned yesterday. So the question I wanted to ask you is what exactly did you learn yesterday? What were you interested in learning yesterday? Were you interested in learning political news? Did you tune into the news channel to figure out uh, who's going to be the president or who is the president or what's going to happen? Are you interested in how to catch more fish if you're an angler like myself? Are you interested in how to be a more effective hunter if you're a hunter? Uh, are you interested in how to decorate your home or how to prepare a new meal? People get interested in all sorts of things and spend hours upon hours upon hours learning how to do those things and to be effective at them. But how much time did you spend yesterday learning divine viewpoint? And is it affecting the way that you're thinking today? Because that's what it's supposed to do. Question, did you sit down with your Bible and listen to a well-qualified pastor teach you God's word yesterday? Or are you one of these people that once a week is enough for you? Now, I've used the illustration many times. If you send a child to the first grade and they go for an hour or two hours a week, they're never going to get out of the first grade. And yet many Christians think they're going to get out of the first grade by going to church on Sunday, and that's it. That's not it. The, the local church is a classroom where the pastor is designed to teach you God's word into your gnosis where you understand it, and then it, you cycle it by faith into your heart where you apply it and have discernment and insight into the devil's world. Without you coming to this point in your life where you purpose in your heart to start having a consistent lifestyle of spiritual growth, you will at best bounce around from church to church, from group to group, seeking some sort of compatibility, some sort of companionship with Christian friends who think like you, act like you, enjoy the things you enjoy. But I got a little news for you. The road to spiritual maturity is a very lonely road because your friends are not going to want to go down that road with you. They're not going to like it. They're going to think you've gone all holy on them and that you've gotten into some kind of cult since you no longer compromise your standards like they do. 
Maybe you purpose in your heart you're not going to get drunk with him anymore. Maybe you purposed in your heart that you're not going to commit adultery anymore. Maybe you purposed in your heart you're not going to talk about your neighbor anymore. That you're not going to try to get onto the political bandwagon anymore and you're going to leave that to God. What did you purpose in your heart? Because that affects what you think. And if you purposed in your heart to grow spiritually, are you willing to commit to a lifestyle of spiritual growth? Because it's a lonely road. I promise you, most of my friends, when I started growing spiritually, fell by the wayside, and I don't even know where they are today because they were not interested. Well, they like God, they like going to Christian rallies, and they like giving their testimony, and, and they like acting all holy and whatever, but it didn't take long for certain things to distract them and for them to be compromised and neutralized in the angelic conflict. But you, that's not going to happen to you if you purpose in your heart to grow spiritually. You will not be neutralized in the conflict. Then you can have an invisible impact in the devil's world. And then you can bring God maximum glory and you will be an accurate, informed, divinely appointed influencer. As a divinely appointed influencer, I promise you this, you will have a life marked by sorrow, for sure. The Lord Jesus Christ said that but it will be defined by joy. You will have a life marked by sorrow. When you go down that road by yourself, you'll be sad that people don't go with you. Your children might not even go with you. Your spouse might not even go with you. They're going to think you're crazy. Why are you doing this? But you can be defined by the inner peace and inner joy of the spiritual life. Romans 15:13. now the God of hope that's the Greek word elpis, which means extreme confidence. Now the God of confidence filled you with all joy, there it is, and peace by believing. That's believing in Christ. So that you may now abound in confidence by means of the power that comes through the filling of the Holy Spirit. There you are. That's your life for you, a life of confidence, a life of joy, and a life of peace because you are a divinely appointed influencer who has purposed in his heart to grow spiritually. So that's my question today before we wrap the show up. Have you made that kind of decision? I mean, I've made it a bunch of times and fell off and got back, fell off and got back, but the, the issue is not that you fail. The issue is did you get up and keep going? Did you get up and keep going? If you want to know more about this, contact me. I'll be glad to get you some information, even tell you where you can get accurate Bible studies in your own home. But until then, I guess it's time to wrap it up. So this is your host, Rick Hughes. Thank you for listening, and I pray you'll come back next week, same time, same place, to listen to The Floodline. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.